Should I sell my company? Should I sell my company now? Does being in the middle of a global pandemic make this a great time to sell my company? Or does it make it a terrible time to sell my company? For small to medium-sized business owners, if you hadn't thought about selling your company before, even if things have gone pretty well these last couple of months, I'm guessing that you're thinking about it now. Today, we will explore the question of whether this is a great time, a terrible time, or somewhere in between to sell your company. Welcome to Right in the Middle Market, a podcast about pragmatic perspectives on running, growing, and selling your business. We talk about the challenges, decisions, and most importantly, the actions business owners can take to create long-term value in their companies. So, Mark, today I'd like to, I know that you have a ton of good thoughts on this. You have worked for years with business owners about whether it's a good time or a bad time to sell their business and helping them through that process, either consulting or uh, now through our investment bank. But what I really want to dive into today is the reasons why, given that what's happening in the external environment, when you and I have talked about this, you've pointed out some great reasons why this could still be a really good time to sell your business. There are also some reasons why this could be a terrible time to sell your business. And so I'd like to explore both sides of the issue and then spend a little bit of time talking about um, how how could a business owner decide? How can they look at their business in this environment and determine whether this is a good time or a bad time to sell their business? So let's start with what are the factors that you're seeing in the market right now? Why is this a good time to sell your business? Well, look, I think if you go back to Thinking about where we were in January, February, and all of last year, we were running, the economy was running really well, right? So the underlying economy is not in really poor shape per se, right? We had a health crisis, obviously, in in March and April. Um, But if you look at how the underlying metrics, if you look at job growth, if you look at um, retail sales, you look at all those kinds of things, you can see there's strength out there and it's being perceived by the public market. So the question you have to pull back from your original question, say, is is this really a bad time because of the COVID thing, right? And that you have to decide whether this is going to be long-term effects to this or it's going to be relatively short-term. I would go back to, to, to think about is this the right time for me to sell my company irrespective of COVID, right? So have are we in the right, you know, internally, do we have the right investment thesis that we're going to actually bring to outside investors or, 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 or people that are buying the company, right? So if you're taking this company out to a private equity investor, um, they're still going to want to pressure test all the different assumptions, the team, you know, the, the, the go-to-market strategy, all those things, irrespective of COVID. You have to have that, we kind of call it, playing getting ready for the show right so we help a lot of folks uh, and have through the pandemic uh, working on getting their you know fpna structure the financial planning and analysis structure together getting them ready to answer those types of questions i know that normal course of business obviously we're talking as i've been talking with different institutional investors so private equity firms or family offices other institutional investors and I ask every single one of them that I've been talking to in the last couple of months, are you still looking for deals? Are you still looking for opportunities? And resounding, the answer has been yes. Especially, interestingly, at the lower end of the middle market for companies that may be what private equity firms call add-ons. 
So they have a plat, what they call a platform company. So they have a company in the space. They still want that company to grow. And so if there are good companies that are out there, they are very much interested in making those opportunities, making those investments, because quite frankly, they still have capital that they need to put to work. And so they have the fund, they need to be able to put them to work. They want their portfolio companies to grow. And so if they have a portfolio company that's doing well and they can find a, a an acquisition target that is still strong, then I think this is something that absolutely private equity firms are, quite frankly, reaching out to us all all day long, asking us, what companies do you have in the market? No, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. I think that the, you know, the private equity folks use them as an example first. Um, add-ons now, they used to be about 30 to 40% of deals out there. People were buying platforms, using some financial engineering, actually, you know, actually making the companies grow, uh, but then selling them, right? That model has been replaced more by this buy and build model, which to your point, you buy a platform and then you look for whether they're capabilities or geographies or customer listings we talked about in the past. Why strategically can you add buy versus build to that platform? And so um, we've talked with a number of, I was just on the phone yesterday with a very uh, well-established um, um, private equity firm here in the Midwest region. Um, and they've done eight Plat or sorry, eight add-on deals since since March. So they're doing a bunch. They're looking at a couple platforms right now. I think it might be a little early to pull the trigger. Usually those are um, bigger, and you and you need to actually you know kind of get out there and dig into it a little more. Where the add-ons tend to be smaller, which to your point earlier is uh, makes it very very attractive to folks in the lower end of the middle market. Those people with revenues of five to ten million dollars that have a special you know, sustainable competitive advantage in their niche that those could be good add-ons. And I think that's something else that I've been hearing, which is when I ask private equity firms and other institutional investors about the types of deals that they're looking for, I've, I've heard some of them talk about almost a bifurcation, that those companies that are continuing to do strong, and I mean, let's be honest, some of this has to do with the company, some of it just has to do with the sector that they're in but that there's going to be a premium for companies that are strong, that are continuing to have good performance through this period. Because again, go back to the earlier point, there are investors out there that have capital that they need to put to work. So on the flip side of that, there may be um, a, I, I don't know what you would call it, not a premium, but a disincentive for or a penalty almost for companies that are struggling right now. Would you agree with that? Well, I think it depends on what's causing the struggle, right? I think that if if someone got caught off a little bit flat-footed on the the you know look that was a very sudden. Let's not let's not you know go back. This was very the light. There wasn't a dimmer here. It was a light switch. Really, in a matter of a couple of weeks, did this did this did this shutdown happen? So I think there is a willingness on professional investors um, to to kind of look into that. What happened and what was the recovery? Right? If, if you had to, if, how did we survive? How do we if we're moving into what we call the sustain phase? And then what are we doing actually looking forward? So everybody's going to have. Have that dip. Everybody, right, is going to have that dip. How did you respond? Were you able to get PPP? Were you able to do how, how did you manage your bank? I know there's a lot of people talk about the second quarter is going to be very interesting with respect to things like leverage 
uh, covenants, right? So people that had bank covenants, are, how are you dealing with your banks? And so if someone was actually in a situation where they were defaulted with their bank, I could see as a, pri- as a, as a, as a professional investor, I'd want to make sure that I understood that. How is that happening? And so we're helping a number of, of companies now think through that. How do I manage the relationships with those capital providers so that that's not a problem in the middle of a doing a transaction? So I think that's a great lead in to let's flip the coin. And so we've talked about some reasons that this may still be a very good time to sell your company, especially again, in that lower end of the middle market where we focus. What about Let's now talk about some reasons that this may not be a great time to sell your company. And if you have a choice to wait, maybe you should. I, the first thing that I would put out there is, you know, obviously there's a lot of uncertainty in the market still. And it's always tough to figure out how do you value a company when there's a lot of uncertainty, particularly in certain sectors. Yeah, I think that one of the things that's interesting is that people tend to use a shortcut of, multiples of EBITDA, right? And that's that's a great shortcut when things are, you know, relatively calm and EBITDA or adjusted EBITDA is a good proxy for cash flow from operations, then you can do that. But if you want to have the same valuation and EBITDA dropped for, for a quarter, then that, in order for you to maintain the same valuation, the EBITDA multiple has to expand, right? So that's people are going to make, why am I going to pay more on an EBITDA multiple than, than not. But if you're actually looking at the intrinsic value, right, of the asset, and that's typically done through, and we could talk about this in their podcast, how you value companies from a discounted cash flow analysis, right, which is what's happening in the public market. So in, if you use that lens, and you then, then is this really bad time? Not really, in my mind, because I think that if you have a unique capability that a buyer needs, this is as good a time as any, right? Because what you're going to say is, look, if if I'm in a sector, some sectors might be especially hot right now. If I was, you know, telehealth, be hotter than I was, you know, six months ago. Other areas might be a little tougher. If I was in hospitality, if I was in, you know, restaurant chains or things like that, it might be a little tougher sell right now. But I think that, um, you know, the people that can, that can show a rebound can show that a reliable or, or certainly a credible return to operating performance in the past shouldn't shouldn't have. I don't think that they should say that this is just a terrible time to go. You know, I always take the operational perspective. That's a little bit of my bias and background. And so I also think about just as you, we have so many companies out there that are really focusing on how do we survive? How do we pivot? How do we make sure that we're staying as strong as we can? Even, quite frankly, some that are taking this opportunity to say, you know, I heard the quote the other day, never waste a good crisis, right? I was reminded of that quote. Using this to say, how do we start to change operations, change culture? And so I also think about it from a bandwidth perspective, that I wonder if for some companies, they will get better long-term value out of focusing on operations right now. And if there isn't a burning need to sell they may be better served in the long run to focus on some of that underlying improvement, look at margins, look at product profitability, make sure that they're pivoting to whatever this new environment is going to be for their particular business. And then in six months, 12 months, they will be very strong and then can be in that category we've been talking about of the stronger performing companies 
that then will do very well in a sales process. Yeah, I think you make a very good point there. I think that what we've seen in the past, and some of us have been around longer than we care to admit, but you, you know, you've seen recessions come along, you know, call it in seven to eight year cycles, right? And a lot of people use those as opportunities, as you pointed out, to to kind of, you know, look internally and say, you know, where is there is there fat to cut? Let's just be honest, right? So are there areas, are there product lines, are there staffing areas that I just need to really take a really hard look at? And it forces you to do that. Um, I think that uh, um, this is a great time to look internally, look at your CapEx programs. You know, am I really investing in things that are going to grow? Too many people in internal allocation of capital kind of take a peanut butter approach and they kind of give every every project that they can something, right? And actually saying, no, we don't have that kind of money. We have to really invest in the areas that are going to grow, that are really going to bring traction to help with the valuation of the company overall. That's where you have to invest. You have to make some hard choices right now. And then I think that that will be reflected in, in, in your ability to, to, to sell the company or, quite frankly, just get growth capital. All right. We'll be right back after a brief word from our sponsor. Right in the Middle Market is brought to you by SLS Capital Advisors. SLS Capital Advisors is a boutique financial advisory firm working directly with middle market leadership to tackle critical growth opportunities, including exits, mergers and acquisitions, and access to capital. The principles of SLS Capital Advisors bring deep industry, financial, and consulting experience to firms seeking tailored strategic opportunities, including capital for major growth initiatives and alternatives for those evaluating corporate transitions and exits. SLS Capital Advisors services include managing effective exits and sales processes involving sophisticated buyers, such as strategic purchasers, financial buyers, and operator-to-operator transactions, and raising capital to fund our clients' growth, including debt and equity elements. They also assist companies in capturing growth opportunities through focused and effective organic growth and M&A programs and unlocking profit potential through business portfolio rationalization and divestiture. SLS Capital Advisors focused on delivering consultative executions for clients seeking strategic growth and capital. Find us at slscapitaladvisors.com to learn more about how we can help you. Welcome back. We're here talking about, is this a good or a bad time to sell your company? Okay, so we've made some good arguments about why this can be a great time to sell. We've made some good arguments about why this can be a terrible time to sell. And the last thing I want is for us to, for a listener to come away from this arguing that we were wishy-washy. Um, so I want to maybe bring this down and talk about, and I think we've hinted at it, but all right, I'm a business owner or a CEO and I've got to decide, you know, I've been thinking about selling. I know it's something I want to do sometime in the not too distant future. So now I've got to decide, should I sell or should I wait? So let's talk a little bit about given all these things that we've talked about, how do you decide right now? Should I embark on a process to sell my company or should I hold off? I think one of the things that we're doing to help people and I, is you can make that assessment. How much work does it require me to get ready? How far am I really away from actually being ready to go to into a process? And if you've got three, four, or five months worth of internal work to do to get to that level, then start now. It does nothing but help you get ready. I always tell my clients, I'd like you to be fully valued at any given time. I don't want you to have to get four or five months so that someone can look at you and say, 
yeah, I get what they're doing, why they're doing it. They're efficient. Their margins are good. They compared great to other people in their sector. So I, I, I think that you never want to get to a situation where your back's against the wall, right? Now I have to sell. And, if, and it, look, there's a million personal reasons why people would enter the market to, to exit. And you got to take a hard look at that and say, look, if, if it's just I want to go fishing in the islands, you know, at some point in 2021, perfect. And then we're not going to run into your backs against the wall. But if there's a more specific, defined time frame that you're dealing with, right, and there's a number of reasons why those might be, then I think you getting ready early is better, right? So you're not entering your process with some with some urgency, which can be picked up as, as desperation. Well, and I think that that's one of the things, especially in the lower end of the middle market, in the small and medium-sized companies, that you can't entirely separate the personal situation of the owner from what's happening in the market. And so, you know, I look at it and say, you have to assess what's happening in your sector of the economy, what's happening in your specific company. And then you have to really look at and be honest with what's happening in your own personal situation. If you are in a position where you need to sell for whatever reason, you, uh, there might be health reasons, there might be Um, you know, all kinds of things that could be happening in somebody's personal life that really mean that they're going to be better off sooner, selling sooner rather than later. And in those situations, I would say, you know, as you were saying, don't wait to start. Because especially in this environment, the process may take longer than it typically would, not necessarily, but it may take longer. Even just with travel restrictions, it's going to be a little bit harder to get through due diligence and so I think, you know, for somebody who is contemplating and thinks that there's some a reason out there in the next you know, 12 to, to 18 months that may put their back against the wall, to use your phrase, they're better off to start to explore now and at least understand what are the things that I would need to do? Who would be my likely buyers? Um, how would I prepare for those? Can I start to maybe have some soft conversations And you may think about this is where I think an external advisor can be really helpful because you may not want somebody to know that it's you thinking about selling and an an intermediary can be really helpful to be able to help it to to have those outreach conversations so that there's a, a anonymized outreach to a potential buyer. Would you be interested in this kind of company? Is there an appetite for that? Is there an appetite for that now? But you don't have to have the word out there that everybody knows that it was you and you're thinking about selling your company because people are, of course, concerned about what that might mean for their employees. Do employees get nervous and leave? Do uh, suppliers get nervous? Do competitors get wind of that? So can be a really good time to talk to an advisor and, and have the conversation help you explore. Yeah, and I think another way to look at this, too, it, it, it's kind of, if you will, riff it a little bit on what you're saying is something you have, may have to be open to now that you may not want it to be op- as open to before is, is structuring the transaction, right? There probably is going to be a request, especially if you're thinking about, oh, yeah, we're going to get back up to, you know, 19, 2019 levels. 2020, early 2020 levels quickly. Well, someone may give you the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, I think you're going to get there, but let's, I'm going to structure where I have to structure where we are. And if I give you the benefit of the doubt, then we need to structure around that. And that might be an EBITDA earnout uh, or something like that, right? We should, we should go into a, a t- structures of transactions at some point. 
but the, so, so to, to your point about timing your personal situation, does that require a six month, a one year, or if it's a two year EBITDA earnout, does it require that? So that's really important as you approach the market. Realistically, what am I going to need to do as a founder? How long am I going to stick around? A lot of that has to depends on how strong the team is and how involved you have been with the company uh, uh, overall. So if your back is already against the wall, and if you are encountering one of those situations where you really need to sell in the near term, right, you're looking at something, hopefully it's not in the next three months, but you're looking at this and saying, I need to be out in six months or, you know, something that would be a pretty short time frame. What, what do you do? Well, I think that there's, you know, if you will, there's kind of that 80-20 approach, right? There's a lot of things that you can do internally quickly, high yield, you know, quickly implemented things internally that can get you to, you know, presenting yourself to the market that much better. I think that the other thing is, you know, you find an advisor that that has got an ability to talk to the right people, right? So as you always are, are coaching the teams, right story, right people, right time, okay? So we're taking the time away a little bit in this scenario, but there's still the right people out there, right? So if you've got a good financial, if you've got a good business model and your finances aren't horrible, then there's people out there that can do it. I would say that if you, you know, you have to take an honest assessment about where you are right now and you're, you have time pressures, then that's going to be kind of exacerbated by the situation. If you're not in good shape, but you have to sell right now, there is a price that will clear the market, full stop. But I think you got you got to be your expectations have to be a little realistic, um, and so that anything we can do to remove the time component. I mean, we had a client that we talked to uh, in Michigan that thought he needed to sell, th- actually thought he needed to bring in investors, and you know we we kind of worked with him to say no, actually it wasn't the right time. There was another way out of this. You could get a general manager. Right. And do those kinds of things to actually help you not have the time pressure. So pushing hard on that to say, are we really as up against the wall as we as we think we are? And I, I love seeing companies that then can take a parallel process to be able to do all of those internal kinds of things to say, how do I look at alternatives? How do I make the company as strong as it can be in as short a time as possible? And in parallel, start to go out to the market. Sometimes you're surprised at the upside. Sometimes you find out, actually, there's a great strategic that would love to have the capability of what you do, and maybe there's actually a good deal to have uh, to have there. Uh, but you always want to be keeping your as many options open as you can, so to be able to look at that option, do things in parallel. So I think in conclusion, we always like to take Uh, are two actions. So I think today, Mark, I'm going to give you one action and I get one action. So two actions that somebody who is thinking about, debating about whether to sell their company, two actions they can take today. So I'm going to, I'm going to look at like kind of the financial and forward looking, um, I think scenario or, or view of this to me, it's like, I want to make sure the financial part of my house is in good order because do you anticipate the due diligence questions in that area? Right. You know what they're going to ask about, you know, relative profitability of different service lines, uh, customer churn, those kinds of things, customer concentration. Those are questions that are going to be asked. So we need to make sure that um, an external external investor, be it a minority growth 
or a sale has a good picture of where we are. We can show them exactly where we are and that we have a budget, that we have a you know forecast for not just the end of 2020, but where do we think we can take the company if we, just on a standalone basis. So to me, that you have a you need to have a credible growth story. How there's value to this company now because there's value to the company in the future. So the one that I'm going to focus on is, and I always have a bias to action. I'm going to focus on start now. If you think you might want to sell or might need to sell, start now. Talk with the advisors that you have in your business. Talk with your accountant. Talk with your attorney to start to identify. Uh, get their perspective. Honestly, if they can refer you to an investment banker who specializes in your size of company or in your market segment to be able to help explore these conversations. Because most business owners that we talk to, they're great at running their business. And you start to talk about things like deal structure and, you know, obviously good, smart people, they understand conceptually what we're talking about, but that's not their area of expertise to be able to think about how might I go about that and to be able to take the temperature checks in the market. So the thing that I would say is if you think this might be coming, start now. Have the conversations. Understand for your market segment, for your business, is this a really terrible time or is this maybe okay? Yeah, completely agree. So hopefully this has been a helpful uh, few minutes for you to listen to thinking about is this a good time or a bad time to sell your company in this crazy environment that we're in? Today has been right in the middle market. Please, uh, if you've enjoyed today, subscribe so that you hear our next episode that's coming out. Uh, And always feel free to reach out to us. We love hearing from you. We love hearing your comments and your thoughts. And also, what other topics would be of most interest to you? What else would you like to hear us talk about? Until then, be well and be focused. 